Hello, everyone. My name is Byron Howell, and this is the Byron Howell Ministries podcast. Thank you very much for joining me today, and I hope you are having a wonderful holiday season and that you've got some good family and fun times ahead of you for the rest of the holidays. Today, we're going to be talking about personal growth, and I think it's a great time to do it because we have the new year coming up and, you know, resolutions and things like that. But we also have, you know, hopefully you'll have a little bit of time off, you know, time where maybe you're not crushed with work. The end of the year is actually quite busy for me, typically with people trying to close their real estate deals. But I hope everybody else has some nice time off and some time where they can really think about the new year, you know, think about your life and, you know, the direction you want to go. And you might have time to, you know, read some books or listen to some podcasts. And anyway, you just, uh, I think the turn of the year is a time that everyone starts thinking about, you know, the direction for their lives. And uh, I have my own, you know, perspective on personal growth, and I think it's a good subject to discuss. A few years ago, I drove down to South Florida to visit some clients for a few days. My wife, Shannon, suggested that I check out this marriage podcast called Rise Together by Rachel and Dave Hollis. I realized Rachel Hollis is now a controversial figure, but this is before all that happened, and the podcast did have a profound impact on me. Between the drives to Key Largo and back, I listened to all of the episodes, there were only like 10 back then, and I received my personal introduction to the idea of personal growth. And before we move on, yes, I do realize that was a marriage podcast from a couple who are now divorced, but yeah, let's not get into that. So I started listening to various podcasts on personal growth and related issues because of that introduction I received. Then about a year ago, I was driving with some friends in Texas when we decided to listen to an episode of the All In podcast. That podcast features four billionaires and friends discussing financial markets, political issues, and various other subjects. And I found it fascinating, and I've continued to listen. That's not really a personal growth podcast, but it does include advice and thoughts on a wide range of issues and it's somewhat similar to podcasts for improvements in your financial life. Now, personal growth is not a new idea, and really the entire self-help industry is the same thing. And sure, everyone can make specific changes to improve every area of their lives. Now, that statement sounds obvious, but the personal growth industry thrives by teaching people exactly which changes to make. And as you probably know, personal help uh, gurus and you know personal growth personalities abound, offering advice for every area of our lives. And like you probably, I listen to a number of podcasts. My Apple Podcast Library is a mixture of personal growth personalities and Christian teachers. The personal growth personalities can be very dynamic and persuasive, offering a lot of practical advice for our lives. The same is true of the Christian teachers, but of course, they offer guidance based on the Bible's teaching. Given my own experience with personal growth and the prevalence of these teachings in our society, I want to talk about correctly integrating these teachings into your Christian life. And before I continue, let me add that these ideas we're going to discuss today will help with any secular influences in your life, not just self-help gurus. So we'll talk about entertainment a bit as well. About 10 years ago, I strongly felt that God wanted me to read the Canterbury Tales. Now, that may sound very strange, but given that I basically majored in old British literature, it wasn't that strange for me. So I read the book and I realized why God wanted me to read it. When you just read a couple of the individual tales, as maybe you did in college, you might not see this. But the dominant theme of the Canterbury Tales 
is the power dynamic between men and women, especially in marital or adult relationships. While the Bible certainly discusses that subject, and God tells husbands to love their wives and wives to respect their husbands, the book helped me to highlight the importance of this issue to my mind. God used the book to point me to something he wanted me to think about and to remind me of his teachings on the subject. I read a lot and take in a lot of content, and God does occasionally direct me to secular content for various reasons. But here is the key point. While God directed me to the Canterbury Tales so I would think about a subject, he wants me to obey his teachings on the subject and not the teachings of anyone else. As you are consuming your secular material, God must remain your primary teacher, especially from the teachings in his word. You must never allow anyone else's teachings from any source to influence you against the teachings from God's word. Just as some examples. Many personal growth personalities believe in all sorts of self-affirming statements and ideas that don't necessarily agree with the Bible. Do whatever you want. Believe whatever you want. Pursue whatever you want. Many of them don't believe in that Christianity is the only way to God. Many of them don't believe in God at all. Many of them, Rachel and Dave Hollis included, don't believe in a biblical definition of marriage and proudly support gay marriage. Rachel Hollis has also made some other comments which have gotten her into trouble with very various groups. I don't know all the specifics, I just know it happened. So while I certainly wouldn't agree with everything Rachel Hollis says, God didn't lead me to read two of her books, and that's why I'm kind of mentioned her a couple times now. I read Girl Wash Your Face and Girl Stop Apologizing. And I get it, that sounds crazy and that those books are written for women. But I felt strongly that God wanted me to read them. Uh, and we were listening to some of her podcasts back then. God absolutely used those books to set me free from what other people think about me and to show me that I must boldly start speaking what he gives me to speak. As you probably know, both of those ideas are 100% biblical. Galatians 1.10 says, If I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Matthew 10.27 says, What you hear in the ear, preach upon the housetops. I would also agree that I shouldn't have needed those books to get those messages, that God's word and spirit alone should have been enough to get me there. All I can say is, I'm sorry, God, but thanks for finding another way to get me the instructions. God has done that a number of times for me, where he's used secular content to get me a message that lines up with his word. As you consume your secular entertainment, your podcast, your self-help books, or whatever, you must be very careful to guard your thoughts and your mind. Remember God's instruction in Philippians 4.8, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. In my opinion, that's a very high bar and a very difficult instruction, especially because the world is filled with things that both don't measure up and want to dominate our thinking. But that's exactly why God's instruction there is so important. We must focus our minds correctly. We must guard our minds and our hearts. We must consider what is coming in through our eye gates and our ear gates. Remember, your heart is a garden where God wants to grow and produce in your life. Excuse me, God and God's word want to grow and produce in your life. See Mark 4. You must protect your garden. I'll come back to self-help in a moment, but let me briefly discuss entertainment. 
I was an English major and I primarily studied old British literature. Shakespeare, the Canterbury Tales, the Fairy Queen, Beowulf, Ivanhoe, all that stuff. I really enjoyed it. So of course I thought I would love Game of Thrones. I watched one episode of Game of Thrones and that was it. I knew there was no way God wanted me to watch that garbage. And I'm not trying to condemn anybody or getting down on anybody. But, you know, in case you haven't seen it, the first episode includes two instances of incest, the murder of a child and some serious gore, all sorts of other craziness. And I don't care what anyone says. That show is ungodly. And I couldn't imagine God wanting me to watch that for any reason. That doesn't mean I never watch an R-rated movie, although it is pretty rare. But I really do filter my entertainment and stay away from things that truly defile one's mind and heart. One night, not long after I saw that episode of Game of Thrones, I was teaching the Wednesday night Bible study to a large group at my church. I told the people they shouldn't watch shows like that. And would you believe it? One of the pastors actually scolded me. He was worried I would offend people because he knew so many people in the church watched that show. Well, that just goes to show you. And I don't know exactly what it goes to show you, but it shows you something. That's for sure. All right, enough. Well, back to personal growth. Let me give you another example of some personal growth material that has really helped me. Author Stephen Pressfield is probably best known for The Legend of Bagger Vance, but he has written many other books, including The War of Art and Turning Pro. He also has a podcast and does some other stuff. But The War of Art and Turning Pro are phenomenal books which encourage creatives to diligently do their work consistently and habitually. They teach those of us who produce creative content, like my blog and podcast, for example, to focus on regular output and routine practices, and that these will improve our work and increase our opportunities. He also does an amazing job of describing forces that hinder and derail our creative callings and output. And let me just mention another one, The Practice by Seth Godin, I believe it is. That's another phenomenal book, very similar subject. Those books, when combined with the freedom to speak that God brought me through the Hollis books, have had a huge impact on me launching out with my own material. I learned of those Pressfield books through Tim Ferriss, who's another kind of self-help guy, and he's famous for the four-hour work week. I don't think Tim is a Christian, and he talks about all sorts of goofy stuff, including his life's mission to make psychedelic drugs available for all sorts of medicinal purposes. Like, I don't know anything about that. That's not something I'm interested in. However, Tim's podcast and writings are full of helpful processes, products, hacks, and advice that we can use to improve our lives. And as you consider your intake of these secular materials, you must start considering your time allotment between them and Christian materials. Sometimes these secular materials, whether they are entertainment or personal growth matters, are enjoyable because they provide a different perspective, entertainment, or just a break from your heavy Christian diet. But we must make sure we aren't overindulging in that which isn't spiritually nourishing and that we are appropriately consuming what is spiritually nourishing. I personally like the concept of buy-in. Now, I'm not much of a card player, but in poker, you sometimes have a buy-in, which is an amount of money to enter a tournament, like an entry fee. I think it's good to give yourself a buy-in before you consume any secular content. Listen to an Andrew Womack or a Joel Osteen podcast, for example, before you turn to Tim Ferriss. Spend 30 minutes in the Bible before you pick up your current read. 
Give God the first of your entire life, including your discretionary content consumption time, and then allow the Holy Spirit to have control over your other content. We need to make sure that we have the right balance in our diet, and you can never have too much God or spiritual teaching. However, you can definitely have too much secular content and not enough Bible. We also need to be willing to turn something off. That happened to me a few days ago when we listened to a particular podcast. One of the speakers was highlighting the Christianity of a particular person, but the other speaker really didn't like that and wanted the subject of religion ignored altogether. You know, if you're ever talking about me, just for example, uh, it's completely inseparable to, to even discuss me or think about me apart from my Christianity. And I'm not just, you know, saying I'm great or anything like that. But it was just totally wrong, I felt, to try to distance a person that they're talking about from that person's Christianity, which obviously has a huge impact on them. Well, as far as that podcast was concerned, that was enough for me. Uh, inter- ironically, they were discussing the subject of identity the importance of how you see yourself. And that is a very biblical idea and an extremely important concept. And that's why I started listening to the podcast in the first place. But if you are actively excluding Jesus from the discussion, then I consider myself excluded as well. And if you are actively embracing unbiblical teachings, then I cannot embrace your teaching. And I think it's really hard to always draw the line correctly and to make decisions for all of your content especially in this world with unlimited content of every variety, you really should check with the Holy Spirit regularly and make sure you feel his peace as you approach any secular content. If you happen to feel God leading you to something that you wouldn't expect, go ahead, check it out and see what happens. If it turns out to be garbage, turn it off, throw it away. If you feel God leading you away from something that you want to consume, you just have to let it go. You have to trust God, move on, move on to something else. Last week, I read a Christian book by a well-known Christian author. And basically, the subject of this book was, you know, chasing your God-given dreams. You know, I found the book both informative and edifying. However, some of the book's content subtly suggested to me that the author and I would disagree on a few issues. I considered throwing the book away unfinished. As I thought about it, I decided that the book's good content was positively impacting me enough that the book was worth finishing. I can ignore some disagreeable points when I feel the Lord encouraging me to continue with the material. But when you are really sensitive about your content, Those decisions aren't always easy. You know, and I might be digressing a little bit, but I do think Christians occasionally have a tendency to throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, and sometimes somebody might have something really good or important to say or a message that you need to hear. But because of one or two issues in their life, the Christian community as a whole would want to throw them away or discard them. And I think it's really hard in this area because, I, of course, we do agree that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And that's why I'm saying you really need to submit the issue to God. If you know that you know, you're really getting encouraged and enriched by somebody that's you know, giving biblical ideas and talking about biblical subjects 
but they also, you know, they're not really in line with God's word in a few areas, or, you know, they really disagree with some of your personal beliefs. You really got to take that to God and decide what's the what's the best course there. And I don't think there's a one size fits all answer, even though many Christians would just be like, oh, just throw it all away, burn it all, get rid of it all. Never listen to another word that they say. Uh, honestly, I don't I don't really think that God's an all or nothing approach like that. Um, but again, I do agree that that's a difficult subject and it really needs to be taken, you know, on a case by case basis. But, you know, back to the idea of, you know, maybe Christian materials that have a couple of red flags, you know, that particular problem and what to do about it comes up much less with secular content. And the reason is with secular content, you're expecting some ungodly opinions and unbiblical beliefs. So you approach secular content with your filter turned on already. Now, say, for example, uh, that you hear some financial advice on a podcast and you consider acting on it. If you've been listening to the All In podcast for a year or so, you might remember that Chamath basically saw all of the current economic problems coming, including rising interest rates and low securities pricing. And for the most part, he advised against buying anything. Arguably, he advised we should sell many different investments in late 2021 and early 2022. And for the most part, that was good advice for me. And to a certain extent, I listened. But that doesn't mean it was good advice for everyone. And it may have been contrary to what God was telling some people to do. God wants his people to thrive and increase and expand even in times of recession. God wants us to show love even when people hurt us. Many of God's ways run contrary to the world's ways. A huge amount of God's wisdom runs contrary to the world's system. And this principle must be remembered, especially when listening to secular personal growth materials. I'm now going to talk about kind of a nuanced issue that I'm feeling the Lord bring to my mind, but I really think it's important. When you're reading Shakespeare, for example, typically there will be one or two characters that are just bad people. Either they're villains or they're very socially awkward or they're, you know, they're clearly bad people. And so in a Shakespearean play, for example, you'll have those bad characters expressing viewpoints. So this is a common device in literature where you have an evil character expressing viewpoints. And the point of the author there is to not agree with those viewpoints the author is actually saying that he expressly disagrees with those viewpoints. So when you're reading a book, especially real literature, and there's a bad character expressing viewpoints on, you know, whatever subject it might be, the author is telling you that those are the viewpoints he think he or she thinks are wrong. And that's really important to remember. Because as you go through life, you will hear people quote various works of literature, various books, and what they're quoting is totally opposite from what the author is trying to say. And I'll, let me give you two brief instances. You know, in uh, many people quote the book of Job, but like literally half 
of the book of Job is these speeches from Job's friends. And then God comes and says, everything they've said is wrong. So you can't quote like half of the book of Job for any purpose other than to say that a particular viewpoint is wrong. And then I think you have to be very careful. So you need to consider the source. You need to consider what you're listening to. And it's because God, it's very possible that God, you know, you listen to something that somebody says and that what you're listening to influences you. That's very common, right? You listen to a podcast that says, you know, buy a bunch of Amazon stock and you're thinking, man, I need to get some shares. And then you listen to another podcast and they talk about, oh, Amazon's going down. There's all these new providers, whatever. And now you're thinking, man, I need to sell my Amazon stock or I need to short it or whatever. You see what I'm saying? Uh, you know, there's all these competing viewpoints. And sometimes you'll hear a viewpoint and it's wrong. Or even if it sounds good, you know, by the spirit of God, you know, that's wrong for you. And I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but recently I had a client that was telling me that one of our particular deals was a great deal, a really good place to invest. And I'll be, I trust this guy big time. I love this guy. We're, we're, we're pretty close as a lawyer client can get. And, uh, and he was trying to help me make some money. And, but I just knew from the spirit of God that it wasn't right for me to be involved in. And like I mentioned, I still pray that my client absolutely crushes it with this deal. But it's not working out so well in the short term. And I'm glad I didn't invest. So my point is, when you hear advice, when you hear an opinion, you must take it to the spirit of God, especially when you're going to be making important decisions for your life. And you must be constantly considering the sources, right? You just have to be really careful. And, you know, we have to be really careful when we're taking in all this content that I'm constantly filtering it through the Spirit of God. And, you know, I bet for a lot of you that's kind of obvious, but maybe for some people it's not. And I really feel like that we need to, you know, we need to focus on that issue. You know, just to, to give you a few verses, Jeremiah 17, 5 says, Cursed is the one who trusts in man who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. You know, your hope, your trust, your strength needs to be in God and the advice from the word and the spirit of God. That must be your primary source. And you cannot look to man. And I'll just give you an example from my own life, right? I look at my financial life and I start to identify my finances with the deal flow that my clients produce. Okay, you know, this guy's got 10 deals. This guy's got five deals. This guy's got three deals. I can expect, you know, you know, so much money. Or if we don't have a lot of deals, I start to worry about money, right? That's trusting in man. That's drawing strength from natural circumstances and flesh. I've got to keep my focus on God. And I think that's especially, I mean, it's true for everybody. And anyway, let's move on. But Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. 
As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So that tells us, obviously, that God's thinking and operating on a higher level. But many people stop there and they just think, oh, well, we can't know what God's going to do or we can't understand his ways. You just have to keep reading. What that verse tells us is that, in fact, God has given us his word so that we can understand God's ways and understand God's thoughts. Between God's word and God's spirit, you can begin learning God's ways, learning God's thoughts, and operating the way he wants you to. Proverbs fourteen twelve says, There is a way which seems right unto the to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You know, you cannot just listen to what the world is telling you, what your clients are telling you, what your friends, your boss, you know, uh, whoever is telling you, you've got to listen to God, my friends. You know, this world literally bombards us with content and advice. What should you eat? How should you spend your money? What should you wear? Who should you hang out with? What is the appropriate relationship with your family members? On and on we could go. Sometimes secular sources give good advice, and this is most often when the advice is based on a biblical principle or idea. Sometimes secular sources give good advice because they correctly interpret current economic or scientific data, for example. But sometimes, for a variety of reasons, secular advice runs contrary to God's word, to God's specific directions to you, or both. And as I admittedly consume several podcasts and a lot of content, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 remains the guiding light of my life in decision making. This is the first verse I can remember ever memorizing, uh, just for example. But it's trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. As I've said before, you must spend time with God to stay tuned into his frequency. You need to let him guide every area of your life as he wants to lead you into your best possible life in every area. You must submit your entire existence to God. You must let him lead you. And you must do what he says, regardless of what any self-help improvement guru would say about it. As Job said, and this is a reliable verse, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. That's Job thirteen fifteen. No matter what God says, no matter what God does, no matter how crazy it sounds or it feels, you must trust God. What should happen is that as you draw closer to God, spiritual and biblical materials become more attractive and engaging to you and secular content becomes less appealing. So you are left with the paradigm that you predominantly feed on spiritual and biblical materials, and then you consume secular materials as God leads you. And as you feel peace, just for basic entertainment. Personally, I think one problem we have, for lack of a better word, is that there seems to be a real separation between spiritual and secular content. I actually saw a blurb on Facebook a few minutes ago, basically continuing to press the idea that Christians aren't supposed to have any involvement in the world and we shouldn't speak on anything. You know, I don't agree with that at all, you know. But but in this subject, you know, I would love to hear some devout Christian podcast about financial markets and 
economics, politics, fitness, relationships, and then also reference scriptures, scriptures and biblical teachings on all of these subjects. And I don't mean the same canned responses and diatribes we've all heard since Sunday school. I mean some real biblical and spiritual analysis of today's issues. You know, that probably exists somewhere and I just don't know about it. Let me know if you can recommend something. But until we have solid Christian content in every subject that we might want to consume, or at least until we know about it, many Christians will continue listening to secular teachers and opinions on a variety of subjects. We need to make sure that God and his word always have first place in our lives and our thinking. We need to stay away from teaching that violates God's word, even if we occasionally listen to that teacher on another subject where they offer good advice. We also need to make sure that we have a steady diet of spiritually nourishing content. We need to stay tuned in to the voice of the Holy Spirit to guide every area of our lives. Secular content and even secular personal growth materials aren't bad per se, but they must be kept in their proper place. The Word of God must act as the foundation and gatekeeper of your mind. We must be exposed, excuse me, we might be exposed to lots of ungodly thinking and teaching, but they must be intentionally excluded from your personal mental framework. You must guard your heart from them. We are Christians in every sense of the word. We think Christian, act Christian, learn Christian, teach Christian, marry Christian, parent Christian, work Christian, study Christian, read Christian, entertain Christian, live Christian, you name it. Some personal growth materials, even some secular personal growth materials can help our Christian lives. But that's what I'm after, and that's how I approach this content I consume. Can I integrate this correctly into my life for God? My life is dedicated to God's kingdom. Is this material going to help me in God's plan for my life? If so, then great. You know, I mentioned some works earlier. I really believe those secular works have helped me tremendously in my life with God. But if they can't help me, then I'm out and I'm not taking it in. Or if I feel the spirit of God say no, even if it sounds good to my ears, no, I'm out. I'm done with it. And that's the way I think it should be. Guys, I pray that this message blesses you and that you continue having a wonderful holiday season. And we'll talk again soon. Thanks again.